If you have your Bibles, go with me, if you would, to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7, I want to read two verses of Scripture. After this, verse 9, after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb. Can someone say amen to the reading of God's Word today? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you. We praise you. Oh, your presence is real in this house today. And we're grateful for each and every one that has gathered here this morning, those that are tuning in online, those that are in person today. We pray your abundant blessing over our time together in the Word. Thank you for what you've already done through music and drama. Thank you for how our hearts have been lifted into your presence. And we believe right now that you're going to touch us in a special way through the ministry of the gospel. We give you praise and glory and honor for these things. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. <clears throat> the day they worship the king. This day, today, Palm Sunday, marks the beginning of the most important week, the most important week in the life of the child of God, of all the 52 weeks of the year, this week is most essential. Many call it Passion Week. A lot of things happened on this week 2,000 years ago. We know that Jesus will cleanse the temple of the money changers and fraudulent people that have made a mockery of the house of God. 2,000 years ago this week, Jesus will teach his disciples about the end of time that would soon come to the world. 2,000 years ago this week, Jesus would show us the need for being servants of one another because Jesus himself would wash his disciples' feet. This week, Jesus will have one last meal with his followers, his disciples, this week, Jesus will pray for his disciples, and in that prayer, he will pray for you and for me. For in John 17, during this week, he prayed these words, I pray for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's you and I. Jesus, this week, would agonize in the garden over the grueling crucifixion that awaited him. But most importantly, Friday of this week, 2,000 years ago, will be the day that he wore my crown of thorns, the day he purchased my salvation and provided for me life forevermore. This is the week I should have been crucified. It's not just any old run-of-the-mill week. 
as we enter into this week, it should be a week of contemplation, uh, concentration. It should be a week of commitment and consecration. But it should also remind us that this is a week of rejoicing. The week starts big on Palm Sunday. This one named Jesus, who so many times before had refused homage and refused worship, he would reject it. One time Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus would say to his disciples, Don't tell anyone. Another time when on the Mount of Transfiguration, when he was changed gloriously in front of Peter, James, and John, at the end of that experience, he said, tell no one of the vision. We, we see that there was a, an occasion, or maybe even more than one occasion, where they tried to take him and, by force and make him king. And you know what he would do? He would, he would slide out of their grasp, and he would depart and go somewhere and pray. He even rebuked demons and commanded their silence when they were acknowledging that he was the king. He wouldn't allow it. But then the time came. And here was that time. That chronos moment, if you would, on God's calendar. This moment on the calendar of heaven that would be where he, where, where he knew that once he received the worship of the people, it would lead to the cross. The people that would rejoice on Sunday would be jeering in the crowd on Friday. He knew that when he accepted the worship that this was the moment that the launch of the salvation plan for all mankind would be completed. And so this one that had refused homage and, and worship and praise and royalty and grandeur. He openly accepted worship knowing it would lead to his death on the cross. We begin by looking, and I'm always fascinated by how it unfolds as he chooses his mode of transportation. He tells two of his disciples, I want you to go into the city and you will find a mama donkey and you will find her young colt. Loose them both and bring them to me. I want you to know that he knew exactly where to send his disciples. He knew exactly what time to send his disciples. He knew that he wanted both the mama donkey and he wanted her young colt. And he knew it was for divine purposes. So the owner would allow them to take the two animals back to the Lord without any argument whatsoever. <clears throat> I thought about that often knowing as you do that the donkey is one of the most stubborn animals that there are that God ever created. And I, I thought to myself, if that stubborn donkey wanted to resist, she would lose that stubborn spirit before those disciples arrived. And then, of course, we, we know if, if God can make a stubborn donkey talk as he did in the Old Testament, and if God can make two stubborn donkeys walk side by side into Noah's ark against their own will, then surely he can make this mama donkey cooperate. But let me just divert for a moment here and, and note some compassion from Jesus, who's on the verge of his greatest earthly coronation. Jesus didn't have to have both riding animals. 
as a matter of fact, uh, as, it was to be, uh, as it was to be custom and as it was to be divinely ordained. Mark chapter 11 and verse 1 tells, tells us that it, it needed to be a beast that had never been ridden upon. And so it needed to be the young colt, uh, an animal that had never borne a burden. <clears throat> but Jesus also knew the importance of keeping that mama donkey close to her colt. And so he refused to separate the young from his mother. Isn't that just like Jesus on the verge of his greatest earthly coronation and he's still concerned for the lowliest of creatures? Isn't that just like our Lord that cares so much? The scripture says the smallest of birds doesn't fall out of the sky without God knowing. And that should assure you and I today that he cares about the smallest care and concern that you have. Can I just tell you right now that we are at the very edge. We're at the very precipice. He is on the verge of his greatest heavenly coronation. He is about to be crowned. This world is going to know it. Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And it could happen any moment. But I want to say, even though he's on the verge of his greatest heavenly coronation, that he can cares so very much for you personally and every small and nth detail of our lives. That's why he said, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Thank God he cares for every single one of us. The procession is about to begin. The disciples lay their clothes upon the back of this young colt that had never been ridden upon as a saddle for Jesus to sit upon. It's amazing to me so many things that was, was borrowed for this king. He, he was born in a, a borrowed manger and, and, and he was using a borrowed colt for a king to ride upon. And did you know, thank God, it was also a, a borrowed tomb that he would lay in. He wouldn't need it too awfully long. In fact, he'd only lead, needed a, a handful of hours and, and just a couple of days. But I want you to know that he wasn't out to take a kingdom by military or, or by force. Or, or he would have rode in on a white war horse or in a chariot. But by riding in on this young colt, his goal was to, to communicate that he was setting up a spiritual kingdom where the king and his followers are meek and lowly in heart. And envision it with me this morning. I was there one year ago, a little over a year ago. As a matter of fact, March of last year. And I remember walking down, uh, Tony, the, the, deep, the steep streets that were outside, and, we, and they were extremely steep. I, I couldn't believe how steep they were, but, and they reminded us that this is where uh, Jesus rode on the young colt down into the city of Jerusalem. Can you imagine him turning the corner on that little timid colt and humbly riding down toward the city? The Bible says the people, they took their best garments, and they threw him in the dirty street for Jesus to ride over. Why? Because they were giving their best for their king. Palm branches began to be waved and scattered in honor of this king who they hope will set up his throne and liberate them from Roman oppression. In, this, in their mind, the Jewish people's mind, for hundreds of years they've been waiting on the Davidic promise that had been made 
hundreds of years earlier, and they see it being fulfilled. The long-awaited Messiah has arrived. Their wonder was excited. Their dreams were being fulfilled. Their reverence was at a peak. Oh, I can imagine somebody was thinking as they waved their palm branch, they were probably saying, free, free, free. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Oh, praise the Lord. The children, the children were crying after him saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Little kids and elementary age kids dancing around in the streets may, may not have even understood what they were saying, but the word Hosanna means save us, we pray. And so they were saying, this is that promise we've been waiting for. This is the son of David we've been hearing about. He's finally arrived, and so it was time. Maybe up to that moment, another rabbi had come in that was popular, but they didn't say Hosanna to him. Maybe there was other priests that were popular in that day, but they didn't say Hosanna to him. Oh, but here comes the miracle worker. Here comes the one that has opened the blinded eyes and unstopped the deaf ears, that has caused the dead to be raised back to life, and has caused the withered hand to form normally. Here's the one that caused a man to get up at the, at the, at the gate and, and start to uh, take up his bed and, and lay his bed on his back where he had had his back on his bed for multiplied years. They all knew this. It was all coming together. This has to be the Christ. And so they, they're thinking this is it. The Roman oppression that we've been under for the last uh, several years, several decades, is about to be broken off of us. It's about to be taken down. And so they've even taught their little kids bounce around in the streets. It's a time of laughter. It's a time of celebration. But while you're you're dancing in the streets, make sure you say these words, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Why? Because this is what we've been waiting for. I'm telling you, the iron yoke is about to be snapped off of our neck, and we're going to be liberated, and we're going to be set free as Jewish people. All of Israel was looking to Jesus as their national hope. Let me just stop here and say today on this Palm Sunday 2021, the answer has not changed. The answer has not changed for a spiraling world and for a corrupt nation. And yes, even for a compromising church. I'm going to say it like the old song used to say it. Jesus is still the answer. He's always been and he always will be. Can someone give the Lord praise this morning? Let me get just sidestep for a moment and, and help us to maybe get an ounce of their enthusiasm. <laughs> I read this, this, this week about a, a little boy who was sick on Palm Sunday, and he had to stay home from church with his mother. And so his father came home from church, and he was holding a palm branch. And the little boy was curious, why do you have that palm branch, Dad? And his dad said to him, son, you see, when Jesus came into town, everyone waved palm branches to honor him. And so today at church, we got palm branches. And the little boy just kind of shrugged in frustration, and he said, The only Sunday I miss is the Sunday that Jesus shows up. 
You go into some churches and, and you don't sense the enthusiasm. You don't sense the praise. You don't sense the adoration. And I'm telling you, I'm praying God will give us a fearless enthusiasm. And I'm telling you, it's building. I'm sensing it building during the praise and worship this morning. I sense it building during the drama ministry this morning. Some of you are starting to be stretched a little bit. God's moving you out of your comfort zone. You see, Luke's account tells us that the multitudes of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. Yes, there was religious people there, just like there are around you. There are religious people that are always going to try to silence your praise. They're in the workplace. They're in the church. They're in the mall. They're out on the highways. There are religious people everywhere. But we are reminded what Zechariah said when he prophesied about this day. And this is what he said. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. And say to the daughter of Zion, behold your salvation is here oh here comes that loud shouting stuff again didn't you give us enough of that a few weeks ago <laughs> didn't I <laughs> some of you probably thinking oh lord I hope he don't go there again well let me just give you another example here did you know in the old testament that when David's son, Solomon, when he was crowned to be king, when he was crowned to be successor, they put the crown on him. They rode him in on the beast. And the Bible says the people praised and the people rejoiced and the people shouted and the people got excited. In fact, you go back and read it, you'll see that the, the Bible says that the sound of the people was so loud that the earth began to shake underneath of them. Oh, I would to God that we, I would get a hold of us. Wouldn't it be something? If the power of God came over us, if the praise began to be so loud and so great that we began to feel the shaking in our seats and the shaking in the floor and the shaking up on the platform. Well, let me tell you something. Newsflash. There's a greater than Solomon that has come into our lives. And his name is Jesus Christ, your Messiah and your Savior. Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. He's not just been here. And he's not just soon to come. He is here today. What a coronation. But there's another coronation coming. That day he rode on a colt. But there's a day coming he's going to ride on a white horse. That day the people cast their clothes in his path. But on the day that's coming, they're going to cast down their crowns. That day the children cried, Hosanna to the son of David. But there's a day coming that they're going to cry, Hosanna to the son of God. I imagine there were some children in that crowd that day. There was a multitude, thousands upon thousands of people. There was probably children in that crowd that day that were blind and couldn't see the son of David. They were deaf and couldn't hear the praises to the son of David. There was no doubt those that were mute and couldn't praise the son of David or paralyzed and couldn't dance around the son of David. 
But there's another coronation day coming. Hallelujah. There's another coronation day coming. The blind are going to see, the deaf are going to hear, the mute are going to praise, the paralyzed child will leap with laughter, and there will be no religious people present to quieten us down. You ever ask the question, is our church made up according to the perfect will of God? I don't think we're quite there yet. I'm going to tell you what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a little taste of heaven. What do you mean by a little taste of heaven? Well, you saw it in the verses I read this morning. When they gather to worship the Lamb of God and the King of glory... And they do it from every kindred and every tongue and every nation and every tribe. And you have some that came from the nation of China. And you have some African Americans among them. And you have some Hispanics among them. And you know what? It makes some of us a little bit uncomfortable. It doesn't make God uncomfortable at all. It makes him rejoice. And it makes him say, you know what? That's what I want my church to look like. Where there is no bigotry, no prejudice. Where everybody is the redeemed of the Lord. And they're lifting their hands to my son, the Savior of the world. Oh, I felt that bounce back. I'm going to say it again. We're not the church God wants us to be unless every tongue has the freedom to worship in the house of God. A great multitude which no man could number on that coronation day. Christians from Pakistan, believers from Mexico, (laughs) hallelujah, They'll worship, and they'll coronate Jesus, and they will say, Hosanna to the Son of God. On that day, they said, Behold, your salvation comes. But on this day, that's coming, they'll say, Salvation unto our God, which sits upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. There's a major point I need to drive home here. And it's found in Leviticus 23 and 40. And it was at the Feast of Tabernacles. And what they would do, one of the great significant Old Testament feasts, they'd come together And for seven days, they would wave palm branches. (laughs) And you know what they'd say? They'd say, rest and plenty. Rest, rest and plenty. 
And they would do it for seven days. I can't get some of y'all to praise God for seven minutes. They would do it for They would do it for seven days. Can I tell you? Because of what happens the next seven days, starting today, you and I have rest and plenty. Can I tell you today? Everything you needed over the next everything you need over the next seven days. I'm telling you, he's praised on Palm Sunday, but he's raised on Easter Sunday. <laughs> oh, little glimpse of the victory and the celebration and everything in between is divine provision. And that's why we wave our palm branch today and we say rest and plenty. On that day, on that day, a multitude without number. You go back and look at it. They're going to have, Brother Gene, they're going to have palm branches in their hands. From every nation, kindred, tongue, and tribe. Rest and plenty. Hosanna to the Son of God. You know, as long, as long as they're saying Hosanna to the son of David, that leaves you and I out. But thanks be unto God, when he paid the price on Good Friday, when he laid down his life, he didn't lay down his life just to be the king of the Jews. He laid down his life to be king of all nations, kindreds, tongues, and tribes. Well, praise the Lord. Rest in plenty. Hold on if you're in pain. Rest and plenty is coming. Hold on if you have scars of emotional trauma. Rest and plenty is coming. Hold on you that have struggled while others seem to have prospered. Rest and plenty is on the horizon. <laughs> Hallelujah. I tell you, he is the king. Matthew called him king 14 times. Mark called him king six times. Luke called him king five times. John called him king 14 times. The angel told him, told her that of his kingdom there shall be no end. The wise men asked, where is he born king of the Jews. They brought gold knowing they were in the presence of a king. Pilate asked him, he said, are you a king? And Jesus answered and said, to this end was I born. He was born a king. He was raised a king. He died a king. He resurrected a king. He ascended a king. In heaven, he is a king. He's coming back a king. And I'm telling you, on this Palm Sunday, in the midst of all that is happening, don't you forget, he is not just the king of the Jews. He is king of kings, and he is Lord of lords. And at any moment, the kingdoms of this world are going to be Become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Hallelujah. Come on up here. The band and praise team. Tony, get them ready.
Somebody needs liberation today. I kind of like it. Rest in plenty. I didn't wave it over there to y'all. Rest in plenty. About three of them received it. How about over here? Rest in plenty. About six over there. How about rest in plenty right here? Oh, we're up to about 25 now. How about over here? Rest in plenty. This is what I know. On Palm Sunday, we reflect on the past. Matthew 21. We anticipate the future. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. Woo! But praise God, we get to practice in the present. <laughs> Hallelujah! We get to, I wonder, I wonder if there'd be about 100 folks. Because I ain't waiting on nobody else. I'm going to go get me a palm branch. And I'm going to spend a few moments waving it before the Lord. Anybody? Anybody? Come on quickly. Come on quickly. Get up here. Grab your palm branch. If you want one for the team, come, come get If you want one, get one. Hey, get one. Hey, come on. Get, come on. Come on. I, I may not have enough. That's all right. We got, we got ten fingers here, don't we? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Get up. Hey, maybe line up down the aisle way. Maybe get across the front. Maybe go up that side. Maybe go up this aisle. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we're worshiping the King of Kings and Lord of Lords today. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Maybe you ought to say rest in plenty. Maybe you ought to say Hosanna to the Son of I tell you, it's a beautiful sight. Well, I wish somebody would praise him. Come on, somebody praise him. Oh, your king is worthy. He's worthy of your Paul praise. He's worthy today. Hallelujah. Give him a wave offering with it. 